Hey, Balls of Magic. Welcome back to How to Be Queer podcast. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm a transgender, non-binary human. Hey. Hi. Who are you? <laughs> I live with you. You do live. Well, you're legally bound to me. I know. It's the best ever. Um, I'm Kim. My pronouns are she, her. Welcome back to the podcast, y'all. Um, give a little shout out to our sponsors, Youth Scene. Go check them out at Youth S-E-E. EEN.org. They are doing some incredible work in the community. Go over to their website, hit the donate button, and show them some love. I love that. I love you, Scene. Me too. You know, and if people have been listening to our podcast for a while, like we're able to do this because they support us. So mm-hmm. just, just send them some love. Yes. Okay. Yeah. How are you doing? Because this is, we got a big series we're about to step into. How are you feeling, Alex? We have um, a big episode. Um, it's I'm, I want to deliver it with you know the full the full scope of humor. Yeah, um, appropriate yeah. darkness. <laughs> a little bit of inappropriate. A, 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 inappropriate, and I mean it'll be really authentic. But yeah, just. It's, it's a story. It is a story. And um, I'm just going to, uh, can I say a couple things about it before we dive in? Yes. Okay. So we've been um, sharing here and there that uh, we've been going through something substantial the past couple years mm-hmm. and getting ready for, um, a, a, a basically we went to court mm-hmm. and um, we're through court. Yeah. Yeah. We are through court. Yeah. And so we are now in a position where we can talk about a whole bunch of things. So consider this episode to be how to be queer when you go to court. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. Sorry, honey. Oh no. I was just saying, and no one really wants to go to court. No. I mean, nobody does. Nobody does. And um, we'll, we'll yeah, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Well, I just was going to, I think what I was going to say is, is kind of what you just said, which is court should always be a last resort. Absolutely. Right. It's like surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Eat a healthy diet, get lots of sleep, don't drink a lot of alcohol. But this was um, years in the making. This is something that you have been living through, um, I want to say for two decades and also really, really intensely since about 2017, 2018. Yeah. Um, and we are going to, and there's a couple of reasons why I really wanted us to do this. Um, my first reason, well, you go first. What were the, what were, what was one of the reasons you said you wanted to put this all out there? Um, that if there's, if there's um, somebody else going through this, there's gotta be someone somewhere who's maybe a couple steps behind or, um, or parallel or who knows, just, you know, we all have a story to tell and yeah, we do. We do all have a story to tell and it's important that we tell these stories. Yeah. So yes. And as your wife through the history of this, you and I, in the story that you're going to tell you and I meet, Mm -hmm. you and I become friends. Mm-hmm. You and I fall in love. Mm-hmm. You and I get married. Yeah. And we're still here. Yes. Still, still plugging we've, away together. We've been through, we've, you've, you said this first, the first time. And I've, 
it, it just, we, we do hard things together really well. You know, I, I haven't said that to you in a while because I said it to you a lot of times over the course of the years that we've been going through this. And I yeah. really wish it like didn't have to be true. <laughs> I know, but I think if, if life itself as a human, I'm going to go the way my brain goes is chaotic and messy. We all need people in our lives who can help us navigate hard shit. Yeah. And, and we've, not, we've navigated some really hard shit together. Yeah, none of us, it's a choice every day and, and none of us should have to go through hard things alone. So my other reason for wanting to put this out is because I love you and I can't believe what you've been able to do. <laughs> and so this to me is like, I know you're going to cut open a vein and you are going to have to share a whole lot and you're going to bleed out all over this, right? Because yeah. it's, there's some really painful things in here for you, but I'm going to remind you that by the end of this, you faced down mm-hmm. your abuser I did in court. I did. And because I, I want people to understand too there's a happy ending at the end of this. Very much so. Not only did you fight back against your abuser, uh-huh. you he got to cross-examine you yeah. because he represented himself. Trust me, folks, you're going to hear all about this. Yeah. He cross-examined you for over an hour yeah. on the stand. I, it, believing that I would totally crumble and become a heap of you know bumbling nothingness. I'm and, like, you have no idea who I am. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and you never did. And you never did. Yep. And so part of this, it's not to rub it in somebody's face, mm-hmm. even though I'm getting some enjoyment from it, let's be honest, it is not to rub it in somebody's face, but it is, if you are out there and you are facing something like this, like you are, Alex, you are an inspiration to me because you stared down no matter what your abuser was going to throw at you. Yeah. And you won. Yeah. And you won big. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So now that we know that Mm -hmm. and we are not living under the constant threat and fear of this person, you can actually share your story Mm -hmm. like a motherfucking boss. Yeah. So um, we're thinking this is probably going to end up being three parts, Mm -hmm. but we're going to do part one today. Okay. And part one today, you are going to start for us. Abuse and queerness. Tell me, Alex, where does this story start? I'm gonna, I'm gonna just grab my scalpel and just drag <laughs> it up my arm. You ready? Oh no! Okay, you got it. No, I, I but I'm, I'm so. It, that's just. It's actually been such a part of like who I am. Like mm-hmm. I have always really been someone who's, um, enjoyed like sitting in understanding my darkness mm-hmm. and, and, and the emotions of everything. And then also learning over time to, you know, not stay there mm-hmm. and then to keep, yeah, moving forward. So um, abuse, queerness, and where does the story start? I'm going to drop you into basically like 19 years old. Okay. I know I've sprinkled in part of my story throughout this whole, whole podcast um, as a whole, but came out when I was 19, my parents divorced when I was 19. Um, the feedback I got was don't want you to have a hard life. Um, just want you to be happy. Um, oh, it's just a phase. Don't you love that one? Uh, yeah. 
parents don't say that to your kids yeah oh there's no way there's no way they're they're gay that's just you know okay um (laughs) hey guess what still gay (laughs) boys was gay um was doing drag and really overall i was finding joy Mm-hmm. And if it was for the first time when I look back now, I realize that I was feeling like I'd never felt before in my entire life. I was also on a Division One athletic team for Ohio State. For Ohio State, had walked walked on, worked hard, walked onto the team. That um, still amazes me. Was competing, keep going. yeah, competing at a Division One level and um, with all the other gay rowers, with all the other gay <laughs> rowers, <laughs> just to kind of like pick up any. Um, athletic. I just really, I could, I, yeah, I'm good at that stuff. Anyway, you are good at that stuff. You yeah. are, you are an athlete and you have said, spoiler alert, that being an athlete yeah. was what helped you so much yes. through this process. For sure. I absolutely align this with being a, an, a training athlete because it's, that's the only way to yeah, for me to pre- to prepare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but um, basically, you're 19. You're figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. But figuring out for who you are, you only had the word gay. You did not understand anything about identity yet. Not at all. But you didn't want to use the word lesbian. Spoiler. Okay. Yeah. You didn't want to use the word lesbian. There wasn't a whole lot of information at that time mm-hmm. about like when we talked about gender identity at that time. It was it was definitely not the language and understanding that we have today. I had tomboy. You had tomboy, right? Yeah. You had gay and tomboy, but you knew you were queer AF. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Super AF. But your life is headed in this amazing direction. Mm-hmm. Athlete, Ohio State, doing good in school, connections with other people, figuring out who you are. Yeah. Um, everything was turning, I was turning myself inside out. And and but at the time I was I was young and I felt like it was fake and I couldn't believe that life could actually feel this good and was also felt very heavy because I had never felt like that before. So even though it I couldn't see at the time the the trajectory that things were getting better. Yeah. But it it was so new and so unknown that I'm like, this is this is dark and scary. Alex, hold on to your dark and scary for a minute. <laughs> we have a teenager at the door. Hello, okay. teenager. Okay, I will see you at the football game. Okay. I love you. I love you too. Okay. <laughs> Alex, we're back to we're dark back. and scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's interesting, and then, you know, shortly after, uh, I met someone very dark and scary. <laughs> <laughs> It was like you went to a bar in order to dark and stormy, <laughs> right? Ooh, that sounds delightful. So y- yeah. you meet somebody. Yeah. So it, tell us about what was that? What, what, what did, who do you think you met? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know who I met. I met um, uh, someone with no sense of self, someone who, who was mirroring me. And at the time, you know, um, I, I couldn't describe him to to friends by who he was or what he did. He was just, it was adjectives. So give me some of those adjectives um, that you used at the time. He's dark. He's brooding. He's intimidating. Um, he's creative. He's interesting. He's He's a great writer. Like it was things that either was an adjective or like not part of 
someone's personality traits or like how they impact the world, like things they do in the world that make them, them independently on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we're young, so I just. Do you think, so I know you to be an incredibly, like you are an empath. You, you have empathy and space for everybody's feelings. Do you think that that was part of the attraction for you? That like here was this dark person who was hurt and, you know, emotional and whatever. And did you feel like, well, I'm going to take care of them and, and help them and fix them and love them back to, back to health? Yeah, I think that's part of the, the toxic trait of being, quote unquote, like an empath is that if you are unhealed, you, you take on other people's stuff and okay. will, um, and especially if you grew up feeling like you were unseen or unheard or not chosen, or that, um, that somewhere in your life, someone missed a massive part of who you were, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, and it was, I, I don't blame my parents. They, they didn't know about queerness and gender identity. And right. so I grew up with this massive hole in me and then I just was trying to fill it. And I, then I attracted someone. So I'm searching, I'm searching for an, an authentic source for, um, you know, I'm not searching in, and, and I meet someone who's searching for a person who will who can attach, who he's searching for, for that. I am the source. I'm searching for the source. I am. I then become his source. Okay. So in some ways, when you meet him, it's like a perfect storm. Oh yeah. Right. We were, we were destined from the beginning for complete destruction. So, so, you know, being the fact that I'm the, we are the parents of, of, of two teenagers, two younger kids you know, that, that I will say is like part of what, um, I wasn't parented with that that I hope I'm parenting with is make sure that the person you're attaching yourself with, that you know who they are and you can list off all the things that you are, that you like about them or admire about them. Yes. Not just how does this person make me feel? Right. Do I like the way that this person looks and feels about me? But it's like, I, I don't know that I was given a lot of that language when I was younger. And it sounds like you kind of missed that that was missed too. Oh yeah. I love that. Um, nope. Doggy and another child break in. Hey, hi honey. Um, our kids are growing up with in the, you know, speaking of the world of social media. Okay. One other kid's going up. We got, this is our life y'all. Hi Jules. Go into my, into the car in my Brown backpack, honey, bring it here. Y'all, you, you know, that this is what we are. We're a highly produced <laughs> podcast. We got kids coming in and out and this is the only time we can fit in to do this podcast and bring it to you. Okay. Back to you, Alex. <laughs> um, shoot. I was saying, um, perfect storm, perfect storm. Yeah. You guys were destined to end up somewhere where I mean, hopefully not as bad as it did, but it was, it, it should have been a, you should have both I wish you could have had some of those skills, maybe, right? Like been taught some of those skills to know, like, this is going someplace not good. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Yeah. Like um, that our kids now are growing up in the social media world where, you know, literally on Instagram, they're, they're seeing and reading red flags and green flags of Mm -hmm. relationships, how to be treated, how, oh, it's. (laughs) (laughs) How anybody listens to this podcast, I will never understand. Um. Hey, here's come Jules again. Jules, you want to say hi to everybody. 
Hey. <laughs> Guess what she wants? Money. Money, 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 money. There you go. Thanks, Queen. I'll see you there. Love you. Have fun. Yeah. Green, flag, Green flags. Green flags, red flags. Yeah, so I didn't have any of that. I I knew, I'll, I'll say I knew it from, from pretty early on, like we things would not go well yeah. at some point in some, at some point in our, in our timeline, I didn't know how bad it was going to be. It was actually going to be. And I didn't, um, I just knew that we would not, at some point we would be very far apart. I mean, so tell me, what did you feel was off? Like you, you've said like you knew something was off. Yeah. What I, were some of those red flags you think maybe you just hadn't seen? So now looking back, um, his family was very disjointed. Um, he stopped speaking to his mom after for years after his dad died. That's like some pretty severe shit to stop talking to your mother over money, over money. Oh my God. Okay. Then, um, and then he barely spoke to his dad and his dad passed away about three years into after we started dating. Um, everyone in his family was crazy. Everyone, everyone was in the, in everyone was crazy. All the ex-girlfriends were crazy. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Didn't have any childhood friends. Oh, um, didn't, um, wasn't connected to anyone from, um, there was no connections to his history that were still there. And so at the time, did your just like your empathetic heart probably was just like, oh my God, this brooding dark, you know, young man is just all alone in this world. Let me help him. Yeah. Like I could somehow naively thought I can help, I can bring him, I can connect him to, to the beauty of life Mm -hmm. and, um, give him a social circle and a family and, Mm -hmm. um, and you just, I know, obviously now learn you, you can't change someone's core like that. So when you were, so you're dating and like, when you bring him to your, your people, like, what was it when you brought him to your, your mom's house? Like, how was his behavior? Um, at the very beginning, like, I think the first time he met my family, he slapped my dad on the butt. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, sat in the stairway. Uh, what? I'm sorry. By Hold himself. On. He slapped your dad on the butt. Yeah. He thought it was funny. My dad was not amused. <laughs> but that is like, there is a whole undercurrent, mm-hmm. right? Just under the surface of mm-hmm. what the hell does that actually mean? Yeah. Because I get all sorts of feelings of like already establishing like a power dynamic here. Yes. Of trying to basically like what? what oh. Yeah. Okay. Christmas time. What happened to Christmas time? Where would he go? Um, Christmas time, you know, by the time we were, we'd been dating for a few months, you know, I mean, ultimately he was like somehow socially isolated himself, you know, off in the corner reading, um, uh, sit on the stairs by himself, not really in get, in get kind of play with games, like kind of la- like, like enough on the surface. Enough on the surface that none of us were like, oh, there's something really, really, really wrong here. But there was enough to be like, okay, maybe he's just introverted. Right. Which, you know, I get it. Like introverted people, like holidays and stuff and and social gatherings. It's a lot. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So tell me a little bit, like, cause now you, you, you guys eventually agree to get married, mm-hmm. but from what I remember you telling me, it wasn't like some romantic proposal or mm-hmm. what was, what was that like when you decided like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to marry this guy. Um, it was almost like, well, I guess this is what we do next. Okay. Um, we've been at that point had been dating for six years. I had broken up once. Um, shortly after we broke up, his dad died. He came back and we reconnected and it was almost like, okay, well, I guess, you know, and and we were going to move back in together. Okay. And I, and I had kind of said, and I didn't have the knowingness of even ask myself, what do I want at all? It was just more like, um, I can't do this with you unless we're somehow going to commit to something. Okay. And so we moved back in together. And then that Christmas, I think he, he proposed and it was more like, you know, Hey, PS, do you want to get married? <laughs> it's very, it was not, it, so it wasn't a huge romantic. I can't live without you gesture. Oh God. No. Okay. No. So let me ask you, what did you do? Where did your queerness how did you fit it in, in this time in your life? Was it just like boxed up and put somewhere like, no. So the cool thing about, um, the, the timeline was that I had been out for a couple of years before I met him. And I, it was the one thing I, I had a, a quality sticker on my car and he had seen it on our first date. And a couple of days later we we're on the phone and he's like telling me about the quality sticker. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm gay. Like I'm out. I'm, I'm kind of like figuring things out. I don't know if I'm well And the language, of course, at the time was like, you know, bisexual. I'm like, I think I'm bi and I'm just figuring a lot of things out. And, and he was like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, okay. So, um, so I never put, once I came out, I never put my queerness back away. Right. But I also knew because you're a badass. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Um, and then he would, he would tell me, you know, with my presentation, my presentation was almost always the same too, you know, more on the athletic, um, you know, baggy pants, tank tops, like that's just the nineties. So <laughs> Having a moment over here, people. <laughs> Sorry. Do you need a towel? Just kidding. Not kidding. Yeah. Not kidding. Oh, so much. Oh my God. I'm just going to hold on to the mental picture in my head for one more minute. Okay. Keep going. Um, we are married folks. It's okay that I sexually harass. I it's fine. Yeah. So what I learned that, you know, every vulnerable, every vulnerable thing I shared, he just basically mirrored back and said, cool. I'm, I'm cool with every vulnerability, but what he was doing was stockpiling them. So tell me more, like when you say um, every vulnerability that you would share with him, what are some of the vulnerabilities you shared that he would end up stockpiling? Well, I think, you know, queerness, I would talk a lot about, I was trying to figure out my gender and, and how I dressed. And I was like, I know I'm not like a typical girl. I know that I'm not like, I'm a little bit of a boy and a little bit of a girl. And I don't really get it. And I, I hate dresses. I hate like, you know, um, I told him, like, you tell him like the little stories that you, from growing up that, um, are, are just vulnerable, honest and vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he just did a really, really good job of being like, making me feel like he understood. And so then they, I'm saying that I'm separating because in emotional abuse, they, they stockpile that information and they bring it out and to use it against you. 
um, and so eventually over time, um, we were, we'd been dating for a few, I don't know, a couple months or a few months or whatever. And, um, he had hired like a, like a, like a call girl or someone to, a, a sex worker, a sex worker. Yeah. I saw that. Sorry. That was the wrong language. If that was the okay. language. So, um, to come over and I, she, she arrived at the door and I'm like, I, I can't do this. And it started to raise some, um, I was like, I don't under, like, I want to be with a woman, but I don't want to do it like this. This is gross. Yeah. Um, and so he was beginning, that was the, the glimpse into, I'm going to exploit your queerness and your, your gayness and, and, and make it for my benefit. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you come home one day and he is hired without telling you well, and I mean, no, we, we had talked about it and, but he was very like, we should do this. We should do this. Don't you, oh. like, don't you want to, don't you want to have a, don't you want to have sex with a girl? Like, don't you want to do this? And he was, I'm sorry, we're getting into like, and maybe you just want to give me the sign to be like, Kim, shut the fuck up. I um, know oh, I'll talk about all of it. It's but okay. basically like he didn't want you to have sex with a girl. He wanted you to have a sex, sex with a girl with him participating. Yeah. But he phrased it like, I'm doing this for you. When, when now it was like, oh no, he wasn't doing it for me at all. Yeah. He wanted to watch or something like that. Or participate in some way. And be like, and I be like, I'm the one that turned the gay girl back to that. He literally talked about that too. That he had transformed you from being a gay person to a straight person. That he turned me back straight. Ew. Yeah. Ew, 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 ew. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, um, nope, still gay. <laughs> I married you, but nope, still gay. Okay. So, oh my God, I'm sorry. I just got to take a breath. Okay. So tell me, so aside from, you know, aside from, I don't even know how to ask this next question, but just give our listeners a little bit of like, cause you were in this marriage for like 10 years, mm-hmm. right? You had known him mm-hmm. for a period of time. Uh, before you guys get married, you get married, you're starting to see how he's like manipulating your queerness for his benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can start to tell that he's stockpiling things that you tell him. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming, does it like come out in fights? Like how does his stockpiling of information come out? Um, well, like, you know, if I was talking to someone or, you know, cause we, we would kind of, we'd agreed or on the surface, it said, we're going to kind of maybe have like an open marriage. Okay. And um, so. Do you think that, that, so let me ask you about open marriage, open marriage, meaning that both parties that are in the marriage agree that they're going to have transparency around having relationships, physical relationships with people outside of the marriage. Yeah. It's different. Like sometimes when we talk, cause remember we talk to people who are um, polyamorous right? and that can be um, physical as well as emotional. Mm-hmm. It can be that you all have the same partners. This was no, like we are both saying it is okay for us to go outside of the marriage to have physical relationships with other people. And that obviously took a lot of communication between the two of you. Yes. Yeah. And the best way I can describe it is that I think on some wavelength i knew that if i well i ended up i ended up doing it anyway but was held my ground and say you know what no like i'm i'm 
I don't want this at all with you. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, you but didn't want to be married or didn't want an open marriage with him or both. I didn't want to be married to him and I didn't want an open marriage. Okay. But I knew that I was still trying to, um, I, I mean, I was, I was essentially stuck in certain, in, in surviving. So I, I was, I would pursue relationships with, with, with women, but really like it was, you know, anytime he got uncomfortable, he would say that needs to stop. Oh, okay. And, and so then I'm, but, and then I'm made to feel crazy and like, I'm a problem because I keep, you know, he would say, you're just repeating this problem. You keep going out. And, and I'm like, but, and so I would feel like, you know, at that point, like the mental state that he got me to, I was like, I, right. I'm the horrible person. Oh, honey. So he basically would say to you, yep, go be queer. Yeah. You've told me you were queer from the beginning. I get, we're not going to have like a super traditional marriage. Yeah. You're like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can be with this person. I'm assuming at that time you thought you were in love with them. Yeah. And so you love this person, but you're, you're, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth. I just want to, I guess I'm kind of summarizing what I, mm -hmm. what I'm hearing you say. And so you, you, it, it's just, it's so horrible to do that to another person. Yes. Yeah. You have been, you are being honest with me mm -hmm. about where you are and what you think you need. Mm -hmm. I am on the surface going to say, yes, I love you. Go be you. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Mind you, he's having relationships too. Yes. So he's having relationships with, with women. Yes. So he's having relationships with other women. When you go and have relationships with other women, he stops them and says, no, you can't do that. And you're the problem. Yes. This was a giant red flag to you. I'm hoping <laughs> because he was having relationships with women. Yes. So it was only, okay. So Oh, okay. Keep going. It gets, uh, and, and I wish we, maybe we have a, well, it gets very, um, we could go into like trauma bond, you know, okay. but this essentially it's that that's what, that's what it was is that I, I am stuck in, in the, in the cycle. Um, and he is feeding, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cycle of, love bomb devaluation, love bomb devaluation. I'm going to give you what you say you want. And then I'm going to completely devalue you. Oh, do we have to pause for a minute? No, we're good. Okay. Um, so when you say a love bomb, what's a love bomb? Um, you know, like I think sometimes people think of love bombs, these, these over the top, you know, romantic gestures. And it wasn't like that. It is sometimes they're just like, Oh yes, I understand. Yes, I hear you. Like you feel some kind of, you get like a dopamine hit of like, oh, I'm seen and heard and I'm chosen by this person. Okay. And because up to a certain point, I I didn't feel chosen. And so I end up choosing someone who's um, like, I can't even finish that sentence right now. Um, That's okay. Yeah. But basically like, Hey, I'm choosing you, but then I'm going to tell you how horrible you are. Yes. And, and making me believe that that is normal. Oh, it's, no, that's not normal. I know. That's not normal. I know. I mean, I, know. What, yeah. I, I, I want to say like, what's normal. I, let me name this a better way. Healthy. That feels abusive to me. Yes, absolutely. But I, but I, but I believed it was how, just how relationships were that, 
you know, we'd both, he's like, well, you're crazy and I'm crazy and we can just be crazy together. Except when it's not crazy for you to say (laughs) I'm queer and I'm being honest with you that I, this is a part of my life I need to live. Yeah, It is not like, no, there, there is a no world that it is okay to have that part of yourself manipulated Mm -hmm. and then celebrated and demonized, celebrated and demonized. There's nothing okay about that. Yeah. And I think I start to, um, I started to, to connect it when I, um, well, like on TikTok, for instance, I've seen people tell their stories of, you know, women coming out midlife and that how they, you know, divorce their husbands and, and their husbands are their best friends. Right. Like, you know, well, you're an example of that too. I am like, an example of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and kind of like realizing like, oh, it is not, you, you know, um, it, I, how you, how you get treated as a person, like, it matters. It matters yeah. how we treat each other. So can I ask you though, the, so, so while you're going through this of being told, yes, go, go be queer. Um, I'm going to go and do whatever physically he wants to do with other women. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you feel knowing that he was having physical relationships with other women? How did that feel for you? Um, it, 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 I mean, in a little bit drove me crazy. Um, but also, at the same time, I'm like, yes, go be with someone else. Do you think because it gave you the freedom to go be where where you wanted to be? Yeah. Okay. It was like I wanted someone else to distract him so he wouldn't turn his turn his vengeance on on me. Okay. So at some point, and and other things that I guess I want to ask you about is like outside of the relationships, like physical relationships, queerness. You're you're now raising two very, very little children. Yeah. Um, and how, how did that, how, tell me a little bit about how that worked. Like he worked full time, you Mm -hmm. were a stay at home parent. Yeah. And you know, so up to the point I, um, I was stay at home parent. I was working, I was, I always worked part-time as a fitness instructor. Um, and I just, you know, you get to that point in your life and you got kids and you're like, I want to, make sure my kids have a great life and they're able to be themselves. And then realizing like, I'm not being myself. Yeah. And I don't want my kids to grow up in this at all. They don't know. Cause you really started to recognize like there was a lot of control mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Okay. It was absolute. I didn't get these words until after I left, but, but if, if there was absolutely emotional and psychological abuse oh. and, um, control, manipulation, um, yeah, devalue. Everybody thinks you're so great, but I don't. He would tell me that repeatedly. Yeah. And you are great. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I'm going to flash, I'm going to move you forward a little bit. So things really, you turn 40. Yeah. And life really starts to change for you. Mm-hmm. Because you've told me at age 40, you got the words non-binary. Mm-hmm. You have a child that has essentially come out mm-hmm. and told you, hey, I'm a girl. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, and I'm kind of just like summarizing just to keep us moving, but when your daughter comes mm-hmm. out and says, hey, I'm a, I'm a girl, uh-huh. you start to realize, okay, I've got to really kind of start unpacking what it's going to be like to parent 
and the, yeah. you know, and show up for my kid. And I am not living authentically. I am hiding who I am. Yes. How am I ever going to model this for my child if I am not doing it myself? Yes. And that timeline was very quick because I, I've learned that when you really connect to truth and authenticity, things unravel really quickly. Okay. So tell me more, like, how did that actually play out for, for you then? You started to connect with, you got the words non-binary. Yep. You, you revealed, Hey, I am non-binary and my name is not this dead name. This is who yeah. I am. It was like November. I got non-binary January. I got transgender end of January. I started on hormones um, and then it was like February marriage over February marriage over May out of the house. So when you revealed to him, because even before then, I know you, you, you had told me that you guys had been saying like our marriage is basically like, it's not working. Yeah. But when you finally got the language of non-binary and said, Hey, I'm non-binary pronouns, they, them name is Alex. How did he respond? Um, the same way he did with with a lot of things. Everything on this, everything at first was was great. Um, I remember, I remember when I told where and when and um, saying, "Hey, I'm I'm Alex," and he was like, "Great, nice to meet you, Alex." The very next day, comes home from from work and says, "You know what? No, I'm not going to call you Alex," and then proceeds to call me by my dead name and the wrong pronouns. And I'm like, huh, what, 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 what? And, and then I, because I was still in the house, I had to once again, explain over and over and over again. Like, can you just please respect me as a human? That'd be great. So you've told me a story about when you first saw what, what, what people refer to as the mask slip. Yeah. Do you want to share? Um, Yes, it was, you know, we were in the kitchen and at this point, I have probably apologized a numerous times that this was all happening and it, and I couldn't stop it. And to just like that we'd agreed to divorce and that we would be okay. And then I loved him and I cared and we had kids together. Let's just like do this. And everything's going to be okay. And, um, it, I just, I remember doubling over holding my stomach, like crying and just saying, please, please. I'm so sorry, but this is, this is the truth. This is the truth. And this is all I have. And looking up at him and he was doing his stance of the wide feet, arms crossed, um, staring down at me saying nothing. And I just was like, it's terrifying. I'm like, Oh, I married the devil. So when we, when we say that, when people use the language, the mask slips, what does that, what does that actually mean? So the way I understand it so far is that the mask is shielding all of their pain and anger and resentment. And they have created a false self to cover up this, um, all of the, the, the you know, the, the, the things that they believe they aren't allowed to show. Okay. So in this case, anger, anger, anger. Yeah. Anger. And it's like, it is evil as fuck. It's, okay. It is, you know, people talk about it being like a mask because it's like, 
decades of compounded rage and anger and resentment that isn't yours at all. It's like generational passed down from abusive family systems of, of no one unpack, no one healing. And then he is, I feel like he's now the last line and um, he's the most terrifying one. Yeah. So you're, you're on the floor. Yeah. Literally on the floor, literally on the floor, begging this person uh-huh. who you've been really transparent and really honest with. Yeah. You, you finally have the language to express who you are, name, pronouns, you guys have established, like, we're not going to be married going forward, but we have to figure out how to be somewhat because you have to co-parent these two children yeah. and one child in particular who is going to really need the two of you to be on the same page yeah. because she has come out as transgender herself. Yeah. And so his mask slips, he's standing over you. What do you do? What did you do? Well, I realized that I had spent my life asking for permission to exist. And so um, it, I think I realized that there is no, there is no locked door. Mm. There is no door. Uh, no one, he, even he can't hold me back. Only I hold myself back. Right. So I realized no more. I, I am not going to let this person. I mean, it, was, uh, it wasn't that quickly, but it was like, basically like I, was like I'm I'm done with feeling like this and doing this and asking asking someone else to live. Right. And um so shortly after I did the next best th- thing I knew and I started to lock me and my kids in 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 my bedroom because he was scaring you that he was terrifying us. Well, terrifying me which I knew would terrify the kids. Terrify the kids. So I was I became the buffer between him and them. So you're locking and and basically planning, right? Yeah. How am I going to get out of this? Yeah. I waking up every day and be like, okay, so what do I need to do and how how do I get out? I was planning my escape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Locking yourself in room with the kids at night. Mm -hmm. I remember you've you've told me in the past, like you you would hear him come in at night. Yeah. And you knew to stay in that room. And have everything done so that nobody needed to leave the room once he got in. Yeah. How many months did you have to do that? Um, or was it weeks? Or I think it was probably, probably like a like a couple months before you know. And then we ultimately left. So I know your. Um, I know you eventually get out and you get an apartment mm-hmm. for you. And for the two kids, do you remember like, what, what did you say to him? You just said, Hey, we're, I'm, I'm finally able and out. Um, well, the dinner story, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, When I, when we went to dinner and I, um, I just said, Hey, you know, I think we were going out for my birthday or something like that. And I was like talking more and more about my plans and what you and I were going to do. And we're, I was like, okay, so I found I may have talked about like finding mediators and for our divorce and we're just doing the things. Because you you had been nesting. Yeah. Which which if our listeners don't know what nesting is, it's when families divorce, how you you amicably figure out how to keep the children in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, almost kind of like taking turns in and out of the home so that the children don't feel disrupted. A lot of divorced families do this to transition the kids. Yeah. 
And so you had been doing this. He's got another person that he's dating. Yeah. You and I were a couple at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your plan was you were moving out of the house, moving into an apartment with the two kids and you guys were going to sell the house yeah. and start going through the legalities of, of separating, you know, your life together. Yeah. Okay. So you, you go to dinner to kind of like discuss these things. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, nothing had been done at that point, but yes, that was like ultimately the plan. And, and that's, what's interesting about when you escape something like this, th- things also happen very fast. So we went to, um, dinner on a Monday and I said, Hey, I'm, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, he asked for sex in the middle of all like our discussion about divorcing. And I'm like, we're, we're, we're divorcing. Like we're no. And, and, um, I said, that's not going to happen. And he dropped his fork and, you know, his jaw tightened up and he stared across the room and he's like, well, that sucks. And I was like, right. I'm such a, I'm just a piece of meat for you. Like that's what went through my head. Like I, I have no value. Like you don't care about me as a human at all. And I, oh. um, we were driving on the way home, and he kept trying to convince me, um, convince you to have sex with him. Well, um, he, yeah, yes, he wanted to try. Well, let, let's try these things and let's do this. And I'm like, yeah, no, and uh, nope, nope. And also convinced me that if you and I didn't work out and all these kind of things, and I'm like, no, uh, no, and no. And he has a woman in his life. Yes. He's dating someone. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I just knew that I'm like, I got to get out of here. And mm-hmm. I said, um, it was a Monday and I said, we're leaving. I'm leaving Friday and taking the kids and we will figure this out, but I cannot stay here anymore. Right. This is not safe for either for, for it's not safe anymore. So you get out, get an apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what does he do once you left with the kids? Um, well, he didn't have a place to live. He was still, he still had our, he wouldn't let me back in the house to get stuff. And so um, I would go over when he was gone um, and he barely saw the kids and he would come over when he did, when he did want to see them and um say you have to you know feed them and and i said at one point i finally said you know are you gonna financially support us and and um we need your help and you've been the breadwinner and and um and he's like no you left so so he cut off all financial support he fought he cut off all financial support to his kids and i mean and to to everything yeah closed down credit cards. I I knew, but I knew he would do that. And so before I left, I transferred like a couple thousand dollars into my, Mm -hmm. into my account just to have something. Yeah. Because you knew, yeah, you knew knew he was going to cut us off. Yeah. So, and, and this is where, you know, I am much, a, a much bigger part of your life at this point. So I witnessed a lot of this stuff, but this is what I, this is what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you lived in an apartment with the two kids mm-hmm. and he, you eventually sold the the home that you both own together. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not get a place to live for months. Right. He sofa surfed. Yeah. And in, um, even when divorces are proceeding, children have to have a bed to sleep in mm-hmm. um, or a place to go or something. Yeah. So he did not have a single overnight with his children from May until October. 
Yeah. He told the kids he was, he was going to take them to a hotel and, you know, be super fun. And my lawyer's like, no, he can't, can't do that. So he never sees the kids. No. Um, I remember him. You, you were very kind and said the kids need, they need to see you. Um, they're very young at this point. They Mm -hmm. have no understanding of what's gone on. Yeah. Um, and that I remember him coming to the door Mm -hmm. and telling you, you better pack them with snacks. Mm-hmm. You better feed them breakfast. Mm-hmm. I will bring them back before dinner mm-hmm. because he would not even buy them a meal when he was with them. Mm-hmm. I remember you asking him, will you do anything to support the kids? And he said, you left. Yeah. And I remember you slamming the door. To <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That was the one, it was one of the few times that I got, that I let out, you know, I reacted. I was like, we don't need you. And I slammed the door in his face. And, and, and the, the hard part is, is, is the kids heard me Yeah. and they at the time didn't understand and didn't. And I was like, I'm really sorry. You had to witness that. Um, and did my best to explain what was going on in, in kid world. And so for months, yeah, you are working part-time. Mm-hmm. You are ta- and your kids were able to come to work with you. There was a daycare at your work which yeah. allowed you to, to work with them. Yeah. Um, you get, you have an apartment mm-hmm. and now you are about to go into finalizing your divorce, which was finalized in October. And he somehow September. managed to September. I'm sorry, <laughs> right. but he somehow managed to, to, to buy a home. Uh-huh. So he buys a home for himself yeah. and says, I want 50, 50 parenting time. Yeah. And you say, okay, let's finally get to this point where we are co-parenting. We are splitting time. And did you think at that time, like, okay, like maybe everything's going to be okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I had already begun to read about narcissist, narcissistic abuse and what it, what it looked like. And, and, and I was like, well, may, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not as bad as I think. Oh, uh-huh. That's part of the undoing the trauma bond as well. Because it and and spoiler alert, yeah, this is nothing compared to what's gonna come. Oh yeah. That that was like this was like a walk in the park compared to what he is going to do over the next couple years. Yes. Okay. So I remember I, I you and I were together at this point. We are about to move in together. Mm-hmm. Um he was at the time working a very odd schedule. And so he did take his parenting time. He had rotating days in which he would take it. And then COVID happened Mm -hmm. and COVID um, for families that are trying to co-parent like blew up everybody's world. Yeah. And so you had to go into um, a special, a modification of parenting time during COVID because you were able to, take care of the children on a more regular basis during COVID. Yeah. He got a new job. And so he filed for a stipulation for a parenting plan change. Yes. Yeah. But during COVID said, I can't do the school thing with the kids. Yeah. So Alex, you're going to have to do it. Yeah. And I want you to take care of the kids all day and to drop them off to me at night for sleep, basically a 12 hour sleepover. Yeah which is a lot of going back and forth for the kids. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's very hard for you to work mm-hmm. because you're trying to do school, you're parenting full-time and you're teaching school. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you do that for over a year. Yes. <laughs> and he doesn't get childcare. No. He doesn't calculate that into his child support payments. Oh no. He basically just told you take care of it and make this easier for me. Yeah, I don't owe you any more money. Okay. So now we are at at the point and there's a bunch of stuff that happens in there. I mean, he is regularly emailing you abusive things, telling you that you have a personality disorder. Um he reverts a lot of times with you, with with our child of dead naming mm-hmm. doesn't want to recognize the fact that she is transitioning that she this is who she is yeah. he goes back and forth he does some really strange stuff with mental health care for the kids yeah um you get the diagnosis from um, a mental health care professional that the kid is that our kid has been with saying hey she needs specialized care he will not let you because he has to consent to mental health care. He will not let you get any appointments for her mm-hmm. for the care that she needs. He keeps blocking it routinely. Yeah. And when he does that is pretty abusive to you in the language he sends. Yeah. And I, and so like, you know, probably beginning of 2020, I start to talk to him about over in, in writing, of course, because I, I don't talk to him verbally anymore because it's, it's, scary. Awful, it's scary and awful. And, and um, you have to have everything documented. And so in, in talking parents, you know, starting to talk about putting in information. Can you tell everybody really quickly, what is talking parents? Oh, talking, talking parents is an app. Um, uh, the, another well-known one is uh, family wizard that you can enter into evidence in court cases. Okay. Yeah. It, you can't delete any messages. Anything you write in there is permanent. Okay. And a, and it's and a judge will accept it as as evidence. So you started using this this app to communicate with him. Yes. After he told me that I was um, um, unstable, and I need I, emotionally unstable, that he believed I had bipolar or a borderline personality disorder, and that I should go get help for the kids and for him and and for myself. I said, okay, nope, I'm done. I'm going to put you on. You no longer get to text me. You will now, we are both speaking only through talking parents. Good for you. Um, that was the first big boundary that he did. And he, he, he was not a fan of that. No. And so at the time, I remember him, um, he still was able to do exchanges at our home. Mm-hmm. And he started showing up um, pretty angry, pretty yeah. intimidating. Yeah. Um, would bang on our front door and then stand with his arms crossed and just stare at us. It had scared the, the other, there's two biological children, my biological children that have no connection to him whatsoever. Yeah. He's scared them to the point that the oldest was going around locking the windows. And I, and I asked, why are you locking the windows? Told me that he felt he needed the, he felt the need to protect the home when he would come there. Mm -hmm. Um, we had to make some really tough decisions because he also came to our house when he still had access to doing exchanges with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a meet the teacher. Yeah. And he decided to, when the teacher was at our home to meet him, he started recording us. Yeah. Um, this sent our child into hysterics again yeah. because he is so, I can't describe this it's hard to describe cold, unfeeling, intimidating, arms crossed, staring, 
like looking like you're almost ready to pounce on someone. Yeah, I is mean, how if, I would describe them. If you if you're listening and you want to look look up covert narciss- narcissism, that's the closest I can think of of how to describe it. They're 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 a victim. They play the victim. They they play vulnerable. They play um, um, kind and passive, but they are raging, raging, raging at their core. Yeah. So at that point, we had decided no more access to our home. It's scaring the children. Yeah. Um, And we start doing, and we also found out that was when we found out how badly he had started to stalk us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now, yeah. Now we're you. So again, like you lay a boundary. Hey, you can't contact me. You can only use talking parents. And he doubles down on, well, let me come to your house and terrify you. Yeah, and and I knew, and I I used talking parents to my advantage every every step of the way that I could. So, you know, I purposely started talking talking to him about Ari's care years ago. Um, now years ago, like, like, like two years ago, knowing that someday a judge is going to be looking at this and sure shit, you know, <laughs> that was smart of you mama. So, but I, I'd, I'd educated myself enough about, um, abuse on what I needed to do to protect my kid. So as we're, we're going to wrap this one pretty quick here because we've got like an end point, yeah. but eventually COVID kind of lifts. The kids are able to start going back to school. Yeah. Um, you are still doing drop-offs for him. Yes. I'm He's, managing all of his you're parenting managing time. All of his parenting time. Uh-huh. And you tell him something very significant happens then in um May of that year, May of 21. Because you did what? Oh yeah, I got a full-time job. I'm, and, <laughs> that was the worst thing ever. And we and we and we learned that that was the worst thing you could have ever done. Yeah. Was get a full-time job because that meant he was going to have to take responsibility for his parenting time. Yep. So before we won't go too too much farther in this, but essentially, what did he do over that summer? Completely terrorize us. <laughs> I mean, really. So starts that summer where um, you told him, "Hey, I've got a full time job." Yeah. That means I will not be able to do after school and before school or summer care, yeah, you are going to have to take responsibility for your parenting time. Yeah. I said, I'm going to, I'm getting a job and um, I'm giving you four three and a half, or almost four, four months, months of notice. Of notice. Um, I'm just not going to take care of your time anymore. And you figure, need to get care, figure it out just like the rest of us. So he kept us in legal negotiations. Uh-huh. We keep making drafts. Uh-huh. Is this acceptable? Is this acceptable? Uh-huh. And the answer is, I won't sign anything. And partly I'm going to say, here's my prediction. By signing his name to 50-50 parenting time, or I don't have childcare, so I'm going to have to sign my name to 80-20 parenting time. Mm-hmm. What does that do financially? Oh, it changes the child support. And he was, he refused to sign it. Oh yeah. Cause that's all that, I mean, that's ultimately like what it was always about was just money. So negotiates costing us thousands and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in legal fees. Yeah. We get to the point where 
we are still negotiating, still negotiating, trying to make it work, trying to make it work. He, in one fail swoop, says, I will not sign this. What else did he do? Um, Within the month of September, it was um, his lawyer either withdrew or got fired. We're not sure which. We're not sure which. He um, said he would, that I better be prepared to care for the children indefinitely. What did he do with his name? Um, He changed his name and his pronouns without any, didn't acknowledge or even say anything. And I'm reading it like, what the fuck? Are you serious? (laughs) Goes back to regular name and other pronouns for after a week. And later confesses, says, oh, my mistake. I thought that if I told Alex I was this name with this pronouns, this would further negotiations. So I'm like, all right, motherfucker. So you once again manipulated identity again. And what was, if that's not the worst thing that he did, what was the worst thing that he did during that time? Um, The rights? Yeah. Yeah. Said that he would relinquish all of his, his parental rights. He said, yeah, I will relinquish all of my parenting rights. Alex will have to care for the children indefinitely. indefinitely. Yeah. And he then goes eight weeks and refuses to see his own children. Yeah. And only then sees them after his, his mommy comes in town and wants, he then all of a sudden he wants parenting time again, because, you know, if mommy's in town, he has to show that he is a good dad. After an eight week absence. Yes. So I guess this is kind of where we're going to stop part one Mm -hmm. because listeners, this is the easiest one to get through. Yeah. At this time. This is kind of light and fluffy. This is the light and fluffy because at this time, I remember you and I having to scramble at the last minute to figure out because he never told us that he wasn't going to care for the kids. He had kept us in negotiations for months. Yeah, I'm going to get childcare. Yeah, I'm going to take care of the kids. I'm going to do my 50-50 parenting time. It was the night before school started. He was like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, four months. Like he had four months. And four months of costing us Uh negotiations. And so we had to scramble to be like, okay, we've got to figure out how we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, You are already back into a full-time job. Yeah. Um, it, it worth thousands of dollars. And with a lawyer, he is now telling us he is going to give up his parental rights unless Alex gives him what he wants, Yeah, which has always been the giant question mark. <laughs> what does he actually want? No one knows. No one knows, except it's going to come out in part two. Yeah. So um, if you think this is bad, this is like not even the time. <laughs> I know. So we're leaving you in the part where um, we're just about to basically... He's refused to sign everything. We are now going to to file two motions. One of a motion to modify parenting time because he refuses to sign anything and also motion to modify decision-making. So you guys are going to have to come in for part two. Yep. Um, Alex, thank you for, because somebody out there is going to go through something like this and listen, wherever you're at, you, you email us, you email us at how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. And we will give you all of the inside scoop tricks of the, of what we have learned, because let me tell you, this is a roller coaster from here on out. Like we just gave you the easy part. Yeah. It gets 
really crazy after this. Yeah. So um, stay tuned for part two. We'll get it up as soon as we can. In the meantime, go, go thank our sponsor youth scene, email us how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. You can also email us at Alex at how to be queer.com or Kim at how to be queer.com. Actually, I don't even know if yours is up yet, but um, mine is Alex at how to be queer.com. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook, how to be queer, the TikToks, Alex, the human human and Kim Salvaggio 101. And yeah, balls of magic. Thanks for tuning in. You'll get part two really soon. Okay. Thanks. I'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks, bye. bye.